Thanks to Audible and the new Audible original Power Moves for supporting Market Foolery. Power Moves by Adam Grant is available, and you can get it for free when you sign up for a free Audible trial at audible.com slash foolpower, or just text the word foolpower to 500-500. It's Wednesday, February 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today from MFAM Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm just going to say right now, I don't know if the dozens of listeners can hear the construction noise that you and I can hear, but if you hear some construction noise, pardon our dust. Yeah, it'll be going on for months, won't it? I think so. We've got some new neighbors moving in the floor below us. So it's a feature of the podcast going forward. Exactly. Limited edition feature. We've got gaming news, we've got entertainment news, Wall Street's impact on Major League Baseball. We're going to start with TripAdvisor. On paper, on paper, it looks like the fourth quarter was mixed for TripAdvisor, but investors are not treating it that way. Revenue was higher than expected. Monthly visitors were up. Shares of TripAdvisor down about eight percent this morning. It comes on the heel of a really good year, though. 2018, very good year if you're a TripAdvisor shareholder. Yeah, and I think that's most of the explanation for um, the. Stock price movement so far today, which, as you point out, is negative, but uh, it really kind of met expectations. Uh, which at this point, uh, the market was looking for a little bit more, a little bit of guidance that the hotel operations were uh, picking up, uh, and that was not the part of the business that improved, and uh, that's the biggest part. So. You take the drop today combined with a good 2018. When you look at this stock, does it look cheap? Does it look like uh, even with the drop, it's still you know a little expensive? Well, I guess you've got to be able, as I indicated before, you've got two different parts of the business right now: hotel and non-hotel. And for the year, hotel. Started the year off uh, about uh, four times as big as the non-hotel, 244 million dollars revenue for the fourth quarter of 2017, only 240 uh, for 2018, so off two percent. Whereas the non-hotel is uh, increased 38 percent and is now about half the size. So. You've got to be able to read through which of those stories is going to be the dominant one going forward. And you can have that kind of growth for a while. The non hotel is sort of the restaurant category and experiences. Uh, but hotel was a big bet of the company. And at the moment, that doesn't look to be a great long term one given the competition, which is uh, pretty ferocious there. I was just going to say, it would seem like. If not the number one reason for buying shares of TripAdvisor today, um, certainly in the top three is you think that non-hotel part of the business is going to grow pretty significantly because, as you said, it's not just the you know the price lines and Expedia's of the world. It's also the hotels themselves, which walk this fine line between yes, we want to be available on platforms like TripAdvisor, Expedia, Priceline, etc. We would also really like it if people just came straight to our website and booked that way. Yes, and uh, so the competition is uh, on a lot of different fronts, and a lot of very well-funded fronts. 
um, from the booking holdings and, and everybody else, and is lesser uh, on the experiences and, and and restaurants which people might benefit more from the, the review options that TripAdvisor has there than a hotel, where I think the, the reviews are plentiful on other sites. All right, let's move on to gaming. Uh, shares of Activision Blizzard up 5% this morning. That, however, is <laughs> it's the opposite story than what we saw with TripAdvisor. This bump this morning is coming off of a 52-week low. Fourth quarter revenue for Activision Blizzard was lower than expected. Their guidance for the first half of 2019 was pretty weak. And on top of all that, they're cutting 8% of their global staff. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, you know, hitting a multi year low going into this report, and things are not worse than the worst expectations in terms of the guidance, which um, I know there was a Deutsche Bank. Call that went out a couple weeks ago, a sell, a fairly rare sell recommendation by Wall Street Research Operation. And that basically played out and was closed today, turned around. The recommendation now is that the short term sell call was closed, the thesis having played out over a mere basically two, three weeks since the call was made. And the stock did go down from 47 to 40 over that time. It's back up to 42 today. So the thesis there was that um, expectations were going to be cut. Uh, guidance was going to be cut for 2019 over where consensus was. And the revenue guidance is about a billion shy of where consensus was. So it was possible through uh, you know research to be on top of the fact that that might play out that way. And uh, you know, maybe maybe we've hit a bottom here. I mean, the stock is about where it was four, three, four years ago. So, so you look at Activision Blizzard, which for a good stretch of time, a very high operator. They've got some good franchises in their portfolio. But as we say all the time, both about the movie business and about the video game business, this is a hits-driven business, and it seems like. Uh, you know, this is one of those things that doesn't really show up on the balance sheet. But you look at some of the media coverage specific to Activision Blizzard, and they've got a creative drain problem on their hands. In addition to everything else going on, they've got creative people at their company who are leaving Activision Blizzard and either going to competitors or just going out and starting up their own business. And I think that. It, just on the face of it, it makes you have to be a little bit bearish about their ability to create more hits. I, that's probably overstating a little bit, but it certainly doesn't make it easier to create more hits. Uh, right. And in terms of what the focus is going to be, apparently it's going to be on bolstering and supporting the current monster franchises that they have rather than Call of Duty Call of Duty uh, World of Warcraft and um, many others that uh, somebody more versed in uh, video games than I am and bizarrely uh, candy crush yeah <laughs> Um, you know some of the things that they've got. Um, the, the developers are working on. They, they in their um, disclosure, they're cutting eight percent of the workforce. Uh, said that that wasn't going to be in the develop developer uh, area. Um, but uh, you know they've got stuff. Uh, Overwatch and Hearthstone and various other combinations of words which don't mean anything, <laughs> um, but sound cool. You're not a Hearthstone player. 
There are a bunch of people at this company, big big into Hearthstone. I'm just saying the name doesn't convey anything. Well, I mean, the stone part probably does. Uh, what, what, okay, so what is the plot of Hearthstone, since you seem to know so much about it? I don't know. Don't I, point to Dan for help. <laughs> of course, I'm going to point to our man behind the glass, Dan Boyd, because not only does he know more about any great number of things than I do, he definitely knows more about Hearthstone than I do. Dan? I'm not criticizing the game. I'm just mentioning that the title doesn't tell you very much. Well, the title notwithstanding, it's a electronic version of a collectible card game. Are you guys familiar with like Magic the Gathering or something like that? Sure. Yeah. So instead of actual physical cards, you you are collecting uh, digital cards and you're playing basically wizard poker with them against other people via the internet. Wizard poker is a pretty strong name, but Hearthstone is definitely catcher. The core mechanic of the game is you buy packs of random cards and you open them and hope for good ones. You buy them five at a time. Can I just say that I know there are a lot of other podcasts out there, and therefore there are a lot of other podcast producers out there. I put Dan Boyd up against any producer of any podcast in terms of adding value. Oh, sure, there are a lot of producers who will push the buttons and just make you know the the people on this side of the glass sound good. But I, I I've yet to listen to a podcast and and hear a producer really weighing in with tangible, meaningful contributions. So thank well, you, Dan. Because Dan's got his own podcast. He does have his own podcast. So he's got he's got those mad skills that are developed by actually you know doing the doing this better than. I don't know. You and I do it, right? Yeah. yeah. If this were baseball, we would re- we would refer to Dan as a five tool player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you have more on Activision Blizzard, the stock itself, or or should we just move on from here? Uh, I don't know. What would you, what would you like to know? I don't uh, I don't have anything to direct people with except to say it is more interesting to look at now. It's been cut in half in the last three, four months. So This was an 80-some dollar stock. It's now 40-some dollar stock. Uh, there are a lot of other sort of growth companies that have uh, come down like that. A lot of them have bounced back better this year, because um, once things went badly in October, November, December, the, the selling fed itself as people sold to realize tax losses before the end of the year. And a lot of other things that are in that category bounce back starting in January, more so than um, Activision Blizzard has. So, you know, it, it might be more interesting to somebody that's been waiting for an opportunity. A quick shout out to Audible. Power Moves by New York Times bestselling author Adam Grant is available on Audible, and you can get it for free when you sign up for a free Audible trial at audible.com slash foolpower, or text the word foolpower to 500-500. In Power Moves, Adam interviews two dozen major CEOs and leaders to talk about how power is changing today and the best ways to use it effectively. You'll hear practical ideas and insights from leaders like Satya Nadella at Microsoft, Mary Barr at General Motors, David Solomon at Gold. And Sachs. Uh, I said this the other day, we love Adam Grant here at The Motley Fool. We've had him as a guest on Motley Fool Money. We've had him here at Fool Global Headquarters. Um, he's just one of those smart people that, when you listen to him, you end up being smarter as a result of that. So, so check it out. Power Moves by Adam Grant. Available now on Audible. You can get it for free when you sign up for a free Audible trial at audible.com slash foolpower, or text the word foolpower to 500-500. Spring training has begun. And there are still roughly 100 free agents that are unsigned uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball. And 
You had sent me a pretty interesting article from CNBC, uh, just published in the last day or so. And it seems like the Moneyball revolution has taken hold to the point where um, possibly there's an overcorrection. Like you tell me, you're more of a a baseball enthusiast than I am. One of the stories in baseball in the offseason has been centered on two, I would say, two of maybe the 10 to 12 biggest stars in baseball, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, um, who are free agents and are unsigned. And that was the big story after the World Series last year. Like, okay, who's going to sign these marquee free agents? The same it is in any major sport. And yet, here we are, and spring training has begun, and they're still unsigned. And on top of that, you've got all these other players who are unsigned as well. And this is bizarre to me, because if this were the NBA, and training camp had started, and Kevin Durant was unsigned, or if it were football and Aaron Rodgers, you know, soccer, you know, take your pick. You know, training camp begins in in soccer, and Messi and Ronaldo and Neymar are unsigned. Like this is this is bizarre to me, and I I'm wondering what your take is on this because it really seems like there are more teams. That are focused on just making money rather than trying to win games. Uh, well, I I don't know, and it is an interesting topic. But uh, to to do the the comparison, like why are these guys uh, still out there, and uh, they're each asking for the ballpark just round the numbers of three hundred million over ten years, which is um, something that their agents are are saying they might be able to get. And that they want to get, and that they've heard uh, is possible. And and the thing is that in baseball, unlike basketball, the best player in baseball does not move the needle anywhere near, as is the case in basketball. And you can look; you don't even need to get your calculator out and be versed in uh, advanced baseball or basketball analytics to look at what's happened to the Cavaliers this year and how many wins. They had last year, and how many they have this year, and what is the difference? And is LeBron James moving out off the team? And so the best player in basketball, because uh, he is one of five on the floor and is touching the ball more than twenty percent of the time, is potentially worth could be worth thirty or forty wins. You know, the very best player in baseball, the very best player is maybe. Maybe going to get you, Dan, like seven more wins. About seven, eight would be an MVP. Yeah, I, like that. I, I saw some stats in um, about Manny Machado, uh, who was last with the LA Dodgers, and the estimate on him and in, in the wins above replacement is that Machado's worth five to six wins, and he's one of the you know ten, twelve best players in baseball. And so, if you want thirty million dollars for that, the analytics. The state of analytics today is indicating that what you want to have is sort of a lot of B plus players rather than a couple of A plus players and a bunch of C minus players. You're better off uh, being uh, having a low dispersion of your your best and, and worst players on the field than having the one guy. Uh, especially because you know in, in postseason things get even more random. And how much is that guy really doing for you? Well, and but to that point, if all we were talking about was just these two high-priced star players, 
that would be one thing. And in fact, we probably wouldn't be talking about it today. To me, it's the fact that there are a hundred other guys who, some of whom are probably in that B plus category, who are still unsigned. So that's the that's the weird thing to me. It's not just oh, everybody's team is set except for these two stars, Dan. Okay, so just so we have some a uh, little bit of perspective here, Barry Bonds, the greatest uh, player of the modern age, uh, his highest career wins above replacement, which of course is a weird formulaic aggregated uh, stat, uh, is eleven point nine, so about twelve wins. If you had the greatest baseball player ever on your team, you could expect about twelve wins from him for a season. Yeah, the 12 wins more than you would have with the guy who's the replacement, which might be your fourth or fifth outfielder, or your best guy from AAA who's available. And if Barry Bonds goes down on day one, and you've got to replace him with the, your guy who's available on the bench, that's, that's the estimate of his best year. And then in a normal year, the MVP will be worth about eight, nine, maybe 10. Wins. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Usually, you were getting into the sixes and sevens for uh, what's happening now with baseball. Anyway, so uh, so you can make up those wins with a bunch of little moves uh, using your AAA roster more. And you know, one of the problems with the analytics um, that is becoming more and more evident is the incremental value that you get from bringing in relievers earlier and to face just a couple of batters. Is interrupting to the detriment, at least some think, of the rhythm of the game. Uh, but as a you know, quant-driven thing, it is slightly more valuable to keep bringing in a pitcher for a couple of batters rather than leave the starter in, even you know, oftentimes into the the sixth inning or something like that. And so the quant part will tell you. Yeah, this makes all the sense in the world to have a, a twelve, you know, pitcher, thirteen pitcher uh, staff, but it isn't that entertaining for the fans. Well, that's actually something that uh, people like Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, have been talking about a lot recently. Is a uh, uh, this increase in strikeouts, uh, decrease in. Uh, Putting the ball in play, uh, and they're doing talking about things like lowering the mound again uh, to make it harder for pitchers to strike people out and have more action during the games, and also uh, speeding up the game with like a, a pitch clock in terms of like you have twenty seconds between pitches that sort of man, thing. Man, that's a whole other thing. Okay, that's, yeah, yeah that's a can of worms. We not, can open it. No, <laughs> let's not open it. But uh, to bring this back to the larger theme of the show, rather than get into the weeds of advanced baseball analytics, this a lot of this does come from the intersection of Wall Street work on on quantitative analysis and uh, and baseball. And baseball, I think, lends itself or. Certainly, it was was first in terms of the the study of statistics in baseball. I think that's been applied to the basketball and, and football to a, I would say, lesser degree. Um, but it is changing the way all the games are played. Do you see any of that in basketball? You follow basketball more? Um, yeah, you do see it in terms of different strategies. In terms of uh, the the simplest thing is just the number of three pointers that are attempted. Um, by team, by player across the league is so much dramatically higher than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. 
Um, uh, and just to close this out, if you haven't seen the movie Moneyball, uh, it's a good view. Obviously, it's a very good book by Michael Lewis. We mm-hmm. love Michael Lewis, but um, but uh, if you just want to knock out a, a good, entertaining two-hour movie, Brad Pitt gets it done in, in Moneyball. Right, and the intersection there, of course, being Michael Lewis's historic interest in the markets, coverage of them, leading him into you know the the study of of what was being done by the A's. Uh, Almost twenty years ago now, uh, to to start, and so there there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to be learned uh, from that book. Uh, before we get out of here, this morning the marketing geniuses at the Walt Disney Company dropped the first teaser trailer for Frozen Two, a movie that does not come out until late November. I watched it; it's about two minutes long. It shows the main characters from the first Frozen movie. It reveals nothing about the plot. And that doesn't matter. It's just, it's just going to make all the money in the world. They seem to be involved in some sort of an adventure. There's an adventure. There's some sort of uh, the the whole frozen uh, magic power that uh, Elsa has. And then it's science. It's is it science? I think so. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, it's just as it, if you're a Disney shareholder. It's a good day. <laughs> well, you're, you're still uh, you, you compare contrast that with uh, the Aladdin uh, promo, which you're not a, also a Disney property, right? Also so, a Disney property, and will probably be profitable. Probably not to the degree that this thing is going to be profitable. And it, Will Smith seems to be scaring people. Uh, well, I don't know. I wasn't scared when I watched that, but I'm but not we'll saying see. you were scared. Oh, okay. You're just saying people. People. Some people. Yeah. Frozen two. People are saying, "You're welcome. You're welcome, Disney shareholders. Frozen Two is coming." So, on at one end of the spectrum with the Disney company, if you're a shareholder, is the streaming app, which we're not sure when it's going to be launched, and it's being pushed off, delay, delay, delay. And at the other end of the spectrum, good news: Frozen Two is coming, and I don't know, two or three weeks after that, another Star Wars. All movie. right, I'm going to ask you to rank. Okay, a little bet here. Okay. Uh, the uh, Avengers. Uh, conclusion: Star Wars and Frozen in box office. In box office, yeah. yeah well, I, I think because the there'll be an MFAM T-shirt in it for you if you <laughs> if you get it right. It's got to be the trifecta. I have to do it in order. Yeah, it's only three. Well, if I'm, I mean, Dan, do we get to do this just by calendar year? Because typically, box office is done in calendar year, and so logic would dictate go with them in chronological order. No, by and, by the completion of their box office run, which will be you know about a month after they opened, you know what the final number is going to be, more or less. They they don't have you know four month legs to to box office anymore. It's it's. I mean, you got your opening weekend and the at the end of like the second weekend, you can pretty much guess what the range on the final number is going to be. So we're talking rank one two three, not combined. Right. It's who's going to come in first of of the last first, of, second, and third. Yeah, Avengers Endgame, Frozen two, the unnamed. Uh, Star Wars movie that comes out the the third one in the episode most, nine episode nine, um, oh boy. And if you got I, anything else on the Disney slate, you think is going to come in ahead of no, anyone? I don't think story. anything's coming. Nothing's ahead of those. coming. Yeah. <laughs> God bless the people who are making the movie Dumbo. That's not coming in ahead of these three. Oh my God, that's the most <laughs> depressing movie ever. I don't understand why anybody would want to like any adult who's seen the animated version of Dumbo would want to put themselves through that again. But you know, whatever. Uh, I think Avengers is going to be number one, followed by Frozen, and then Star Wars. I think Avengers has got that wide appeal. It's 
is very broad. Everybody loves it. I mean, we're talking probably billions of dollars for each movie. I think it's going to be Avengers Frozen Star Wars. I'm going to flip it ever so slightly. I'm going to go Avengers first, uh, Episode 9 second, Frozen 2 third. And by the way, all three clearing the billion dollar mark with ease. Yeah, I think Frozen's third uh, out of those. I think there's there's a lot more built up expectation uh, for both Avengers and and Star Wars. Uh, and I don't know how to rank those two, but I'm I'm not playing this game. You are, because <laughs> I already have plenty of M fam. So t-shirts. convenient. That's true. I have plenty of M fam t-shirts. Whichever one of you guys comes closer, can uh, I'll give you one or like whatever our tchotchkes are these days. Well, considering we're talking about uh, the end run of a box office. Uh, for Star Wars Episode Nine, which will probably be in about twelve months, I've, you know, it's even money as to whether or not we're still doing this podcast. Then, but if we are, we'll come back and we'll check. Um, you can go to mfamfunds.com. You're scaring your listeners. Some I hope of, we're still doing this some podcast. Of whom, they need a job. Wow, they they don't know. They're like, is there something I don't know? No, no, no. Uh, believe me, a few of them after listening to this episode, a few of them are relieved. Like, thank God, no, that's a pretty good bet. I'll never be invited on again, but you'll still, you know. You'll be here. That's true. Uh, MFAMFunds.com. I don't know if you're going to see pictures of Bill Barker and his colleagues with t-shirts, but what you will find is some good investing content. Um, So, check it out at MFAMFunds.com. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. 